the value of the individual, me, in this instance, you know, I really wanted it. I wanted it. I wanted to um, work. I wanted to be well. And I think when you're willing, um, it just makes life a lot, a lot easier. So it's very much a partnership. The way that I would describe sort of the, the format of working with somebody like a functional medical or a nutritional therapist as opposed to working with a doctor is that it's not a patient-doctor relationship. It's sort of it's this client-practitioner collaboration. So I can offer the tools and the educational side and you obviously offer your efforts and your buy-in. So the fact that you were willing and you wanted it just meant that that's how we got the sort of the great results so swiftly. Hello, and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today, I am delighted to say I have Mark Lockyer, who is an actor, joining us, along with his nutritional therapist, Phoebe Leibling. Mark is going to share his health story with us, and he's also going to talk about how he and Phoebe have worked together so he has achieved the best possible health that he can have and beaten the odds too. I hope you sit back and enjoy listening to his story as much as I have. Thank you, Mark and Phoebe, for joining me on my podcast today. It's really great to have you here. Great pleasure to be here, Deb. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Very happy to to be here with both of you this morning. Oh, that's cool. It's really nice that um, you got Mark on the show with with us, Phoebe. So, Mark, we're here generally to talk about you. Oh. We're here to talk about your health story, your mm-hmm. health journey, and how you met Phoebe and how she helped you. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to yeah. say that she helped transform your health and well-being. Is that right? Yeah, she did. Um, um, I mean, a good place to start. Listen, I've I've been very healthy most of my life until about my early 30s. I'm 55 years of age. Uh, uh, In August is my birthday, and I'll be 55. And till my mid-30s, I was really healthy. Uh, But then uh, um, I'm an actor, I'm a theatre actor, and uh, worked consistently all my life in the theatre mainly. And I was going great guns, and then in my mid-30s, I started to develop some mental health issues first. And eventually, I was 33, and I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and uh, or as manic depression, as it was used to be called. Now, like many people who suffer with severe mental health issues, of which mine was, Before you get to a diagnosis, uh, particularly with a mood disorder, which was so visceral, uh, I used substances to self-medicate. So very quickly, in my early 30s, I went from someone who was very fit, very healthy, to someone who was starting drinking excessive amounts amounts of alcohol. I wasn't really quite sure why. Um, my life began to unfold and fall apart. And eventually, um, it was catastrophic because some of you listening will know that particularly with bipolar disorder, it's a very difficult illness to, um, uh, diagnose. And, um, I presented to various people over the best part of three years as someone who, on paper, you know, was quite successful, but was just possibly having a difficult time. From an emotional and a physical point of view, I would say that over a two-year period, I absolutely battered my body with alcohol, drugs, bad nutrition, lack of sleep, and eventually I got a diagnosis. And then began, in my mid-30s, uh, what was basically to be a five-year recovery period. And that came from hospital admissions and with the medication that I took for the first time, which was lithium, various um, antidepressant medication, 
my body just fell apart. You know, I ballooned up to, well, I don't know, six stone overweight. Six stone, man. That's a lot of weight. And, um, you know, I mean, I, my head kind of got better slowly. But I was then in a position where, you know, I had to kind of get myself physically back together. And I, to my own, you know, I give myself a pat on the back, you know, my early 40s. Uh, because I'd always been fit and a bit strong swimmer, you know, in my recovery and getting back to work eventually, you know, I, I picked up my exercise again. And um, after a period of five years of inactivity, you know, I, I got my fitness back. It took me about two and a half years. Hmm. I can, I, can I ask you something, Mark? How was it for you when you actually got that diagnosis finally? Because you, you spent a couple of years going, okay something's happening. I don't know what's happening. This is not right. But then you eventually found that out. How, how was that for you? Well, by the time I'd got the diagnosis, I was um, in a lot of trouble. You know, I was in a psychiatric ward. I was locked up. Um, to be honest, when they told me that I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder or manic depression, the only reference that I had was Stephen Fry. And I thought, well, maybe uh, maybe it's not that bad then, because Stephen Fry has got it. <laughs> so basically, I had absolutely no understanding of what it meant to have this diagnosis. And I had to learn, I had to educate myself that, you know, I had a severe imbalance of mood that I had no control over. And... Um, the consequences of when I got sick. I remember a doctor saying to me, you know, Mark, when you get sick, you get sick really quick and very badly. You know, people have different varying degrees. But the, but, but that's only the beginning, you know, I share with you. Because to, to be, you know, jumping ahead, which is bringing me up to Phoebe, was that through my 40s, you know, yes, I had this diagnosis of bipolar disorder. What I didn't know, was that I'd also developed an addiction to alcohol and drugs. Now, I've been in recovery from alcohol and drugs for seven years now. But I didn't know that I had a problem with alcohol until the second coming when I was 47 and my alcoholism took off. You know, now anybody that knows anything about substance abuse is that eventually the wheels come off. You know, how did I, you know, what came first, bipolar disorder, uh, or alcoholism, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's irrelevant. The fact was, I was a chronic alcoholic, and I didn't even know it until I was retching blood of the morning and realizing that my life had fallen apart again. And, and also had developed type 2 diabetes, which runs in my family. Right. So basically what I'm trying to say is coming up to, you know, from my mid-30s to 47, uh, and then at 47, I, I, I had a second breakdown. I had to come to terms with my alcoholism, which I did. But, you know, I was in a terrible, terrible state, physically, emotionally, professionally. And if it was difficult picking up the pieces the first time, it was a monumental effort the second. And it took me six years to get some semblance of my life together. I was, you know, I was through the homeless system. And I say that only, only in, in reference to the fact that, you know, pe people who live in these places, and, uh, and uh, as I did, hostels and, the, the, you, know, you, you know, if we're talking about nutrition, if we're talking about being able to look after ourselves, there is no facility. There, there, I was in this one place which was uh, supposed to help residents get back their independence with cooking. Nobody cooked. Everybody just went to the shop and bought microwave meals. <laughs> you know, and I know a lot about nutrition now. Uh, and uh, that was the last thing that I needed. So, look, coming, getting current, um, I, I put on a lot of weight again. I was living in a hostel in Swiss Cottage. And I started to go to the gym and I, I lost a bit of weight. And I met a trainer there. His name's Daniel. and. Uh, Phoebe knows him. He works for Fortified, Fort, was it Fortitude International? Anyway, this guy really helped me. I started to go to him three times a week and I lost all the weight again and I got fit. But there was just a bit of weight that wouldn't go, like a couple of stone. It just wouldn't go. 
And I said to Daniel one day, look, man, it doesn't matter how many lengths I swim, how many miles I run, how many side, you know. And he said, maybe you need to look at your nutrition. And with great skepticism, I rang Phoebe. <laughs> great skepticism because, you know, I've been burned, man, by therapists. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't have a great deal of respect for the medical profession. Right. Per se. I have great respect and value for a handful of people who've really, really helped me. But I think there's a lot of nonsense talked, and I had great trust issues. But listen, I was desperate. I wanted to get as fit as I could possibly be, and I needed help. And can I? So, was that your tipping point? Was that you? You had that two extra stone that you wanted to get rid of, mm. and you just couldn't shift it, and mm. you just were at that point. Because I'm, I'm really fascinated to hear what that tipping point is for people. Why it is that kind of they instead of just saying, "Oh, well, this is just the way it's going to be. I'm going to be two stone overweight. You know, at least I'm fit and healthy." Or no, I'm going to. Go on, well, go for it, and make this change. What was it? I think that's a really good question, Deb. and I can tell you that answer from from my perspective very clearly. Because, you know, I'm a man who's had to give up drugs and alcohol. Okay. Yeah. I've managed a day at a time to do it because I want it. I could go and see Phoebe. I could go and see someone else. If I don't really want it. It doesn't matter what's gonna, what, what I'm given as a plan. It's never going to work. So the tipping point for me is, at the end of the day, is what do you want? Do you want to just be like half-assed about it and make do? Or do you want to be the best you can possibly be? I work in a profession where there's no room for error. I'm an actor. The way you look, the way you're skilled, your talent, you're a package. If you're not at your tip top, it's like an athlete, you ain't going to win. So, but it's not about that because that, that, it's not just about that. First and foremost, I just wanted to be as healthy as I possibly could be. At that point, I had type 2 diabetes, which was on the way to being in remission. I've been in remission from diabetes type 2 now for two, uh, five years. Brilliant. I, I was on the way to it. You know, once I saw the light, it's about life, man. It's about living. <laughs> it, is. it is. What do you want? You know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not it's no great pill. It's not magic. It's life. It's life and death. What do you, I faced that. And once I made the choice I wanted to live, you've got to live the best you can possibly be. But you can't do it on your own. I was going to say when we first met, which actually, when I look back on your notes, I realized it was only it was it was January two thousand and nineteen. I thought it was oh yeah than that yeah. But you'd obviously you'd made huge changes already. I mean, mm. when I look back at your pre consultation questionnaire, you'd lost five stone already. You were already mm. sober. You were exercising with Dan quite a lot, and we just had those it those kind of last that, bits. Yeah, it was like a like you know, it's like you get a bit of silver and you're buffing up the silver. And you've just got to get that sheen on it. That's how I saw it, you know? Yeah. And, in, and, also, and also the curiosity of, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if I can push it even further. Mm. So, so when Daniel said, you got to talk to my friend Phoebe, and you were going, mm, really? I don't know. I don't, I don't like therapists. Generally, they stink. They burn me. What was it that you thought? I mean, other than, okay, this is my life. I've got to make these changes. Is it because Daniel knew Phoebe and she did, he just knew Phoebe was going to help you kick ass and be even better? What was it that he said to you about her that sealed it, the deal for you? It made sense. It was logic. Look, what was I putting in my body that wasn't working? You know, I've got type 2 diabetes. I've no shame in saying, I just want to eat biscuits. <laughs> I can't. You know, if I could, yeah. I would. I'd like a drink, you know, but I can't. So, you know, what's going to help me? So it was about, well, what am I actually putting into my body? Maybe 
And I don't know. I don't know how that works. So what was great about when I first met Phoebe, she made it very clear, first of all, that there was going to be no, like, um, it wasn't like a prison sentence, you know. It wasn't like, like you, you, can't have ever, you can't ever have that again. You know, it's not a diet. You know, you can't eat, you know, you just eat pineapple for three weeks and you'll be all right. It was a logical, I like logic. And I like people who tell the truth and speak common sense. I can't bear bullshit. And that's what was great about Phoebe. She sat down clinically, scientifically, and broke it down. So if you don't take your carbs in the morning, but you have a protein breakfast, scrambled egg, a rainbow plate, your body is going to work more efficiently to break down the carbohydrate at the end of the day. I was the guy that was getting up and eating porridge and banana. So I'm going, hmm, maybe I should give this a go. So it was like, like working out a puzzle. And I wonder if. So I was happy to give it a go. And it was very simple. You know, coffee. I'm a coffee addict. If I could, I'd drink coffee all day. I love it. Who doesn't? <laughs> well, but, I agree with that. But, but. It's not good for me. It doesn't mean you can't have coffee. But it, in the, it, particularly in the beginning, don't. In fact, I think we made a deal. I think I had one coffee a day. I bought that. That was, that was fine. We were looking at things. So when, like we say, Mark had made great strides before he came to see me. But the bit that was hanging around was that quite classic weight around the middle. And that's what his GP was concerned about. And that was linking with the diabetes. So when we talked about stuff like coffee, we were saying, well, you can have it, but we'll give it to you after food. So we're not overstressing your adrenaline because as Mark is an actor, he was also working different work patterns and working late into the night and all of that kind of stuff and traveling a lot. So we quite quickly identified for him. And this is all the stuff that we explained that his lifestyle and the way that he was having to live was stressing his body which was meaning that all of his great efforts were kind of being slightly scuppered. And that's why he couldn't get rid of that last bit. So it was like, we just had lots of great conversations about how the body works. That was a great point that Phoebe made. I think it's crucial, which I forgot, which was I did go to my GP and he said, look, Mark, you look really fit, you know, but can I just, can I just measure your stomach? I went, yeah. And he went, Mark, you're, you know, you, you are two and a half inches over what you are safe and i'm going but man i'm killing myself in the gym i don't know what i'm doing so it's all accumulative you know um and and he didn't i'm guessing he didn't i mean this is the 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 thing that we were talking about before which is nice to have someone like phoebe come in is that she could work alongside conventional medicine where you've been diagnosed with diabetes and she knows how you can take and integrate lifestyle changes. So that what was your part of it, Phoebe? You said your approach. You want to talk a little bit more about your process with him and meeting him? Should we do you want to do that now? Is that is that can good? I just say one thing before that, which I think is important? Of course. <laughs> the one thing that made me think Phoebe was was really good was because she didn't poo-poo figures and results. I was really impressed when she said, send me your bloods. And I was like, what? Well, she really knows what she's talking about. And then to be explained that she understood the clinical side of it, and she also clicked in to my natural suspicion about the <laughs> clinician's and therapists in general, and she bridged the two. So I felt very secure that she knew what she was talking about. Which is always nice. Yeah, I remember actually before we booked you in, when Dan, Dan introduced us, I think, by email or, or just sort of through a message, and we had a chat on the phone first, and that's when we sort of spoke through a couple of things. So we were talking, I, I sort of have your, your data here, and it was that you wanted to get rid of 12 centimetres off your waist, and your GP had sort of said you need to get down by six and you kind of wanted to do 12. And within like the first six months or something, we'd got you all the way there and you kind of went, 
I don't even understand how it happened, but I'm thrilled. Um, <laughs> and it was just other, yeah, we, we looked at, we, we spoke a lot. I just, the way that I do it is obviously when you get results, like uh, the HbA1c is the classic marker for pre-diabetes or diabetes, and that's that long-term blood sugar measurement. And yours had come down, but then it was sort of creeping back up again. Mm. And those numbers, the doctor just kind of goes, well, if you get to a certain point, because I know that we had a bit of an issue with your eyes as well. And yeah. they were sort of saying, if there's this kind of retinal damage, we need to be very aware of it and we want to medicate you. And obviously your thing was, I don't really want to be taking anything that I don't need to take when I'm putting in all these great efforts. So my side of it is to say, well, the HbA1c marker is just, it's saying that your body isn't effectively taking in sugar from the blood. It's not that it can't, it just needs to be re-educated. So things like swapping out your breakfast from being quite carb heavy, because I mean, porridge can be a good thing for mm. some people, but it doesn't suit everyone. And in a combination with banana and mm. sort of not very particularly protein rich things, you then do spike that insulin at the beginning of the day. And that's what then closes off those cells to the action of insulin. Then you get the circulating blood sugar and then you get the weight around the middle. So mm. it's more about taking those markers that the GP mm. will kind of throw at you and say, right, well, if you get to this number, then you need to take a pill and saying, mm. well, actually the process behind it is this. So the reason we're going to do the stuff in your diet, and I'm going to ask you not to have so much coffee and if you are going to be eating before you go and perform, we want you to have a slightly large meal, but give you some time and then maybe have mm. something light before you go to bed. If you understand the process behind it, which is mm. pretty much what we always did, then you'll understand why you need to do it. And then that gives you the motivation to give it a go. And that was always, that's always the way that I work. And I think, I think it's what worked uh, yeah. nicely with us that you enjoyed De that process. Definitely. And also, I think we had some supplements as well that we used early on for the yeah. first few months, mm -hmm. which uh, I don't quite remember how they worked, but they did work. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, the, the other thing is, is a general thing. The, 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 other, the other thing is, is that, you know, as a holistic element, you know, your nutrition, what you're putting in your body, is another arm of self-care. Mm -hmm. But also we and, do things, very simple things. Like, you know how you said you were a great swimmer? Yeah. I remember when we were talking about sort of balancing your energy and your stress response and all those kind of things. And you were doing a lot of training with Dan, but we kind of hadn't really thought about, well, we, it hadn't really occurred to do the recovery side. And obviously, because you're such a good, strong swimmer, we put you back in the pool. And that mm. was one of the best things. So obviously, it's a full body release. Absolutely. It was also cardio exercise that you could tailor. And we started once we would got over that initial bit and things like your energy came back because the, the supplements at the beginning, if you quickly for people who don't know this if you are pre-diabetic you are naturally not getting as much energy as you're eating into your cells so you feel lethargic so by giving you those supplements what we did was we said to your cells open up the doors get the energy into your little sort of energy powerhouses your factories in your cells and then you feel like you've got more bounce so you're making more use of the energy that you're putting in and therefore you can do more and different kinds of exercise because even if you are training if you feel lethargic, that's then stressful for your body. So it's trying to make yeah. sure that you're still being active, but you're being mm. active in the correct way for a body that can function and sort of mm. work in with that form of working out. Can I can I ask you, Mark? I'm sure Phoebe explained that to you with being on why you should go on supplements because I know her. Um, but from someone who didn't want to be on any medication, did were you okay with that? Because did supplements feel like that was really going to help, or did it feel like it was another another form of medication? No, I thought of them like vitamins. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't think of it in any way like. Um, medication you know the thing is it's just come to me it's just reminded me as we we're talking about it you know as i'm sure you all know you know diabetic medication you know i was on metformin for a couple of years and glycoside oh man shit it's just foul i mean it's you know like double vision i mean it was just poison to me poison who wants to be on that mm. And that was the thing when we did when we did use supplements, we actually 
tailored them in very slowly. So we started off, and I think the only thing that we really used at the beginning was we used a liver supporting complex just to help with your sort of to account for your history and help with your yeah. energy. And then we used a chromium and cinnamon to help with that blood sugar sensitivity. And the rest of the stuff we just worked with your diet. And then as we got we got your training and everything expanding, then we looked at how we could support you a little bit more with not just losing fat mass, but putting on muscle mass. And we tailored it there, but it was very much that the supplement regime was simple to start off with because it was very much food first. But they were kind of our little little extras. Your protein, you are the king of the protein-rich breakfast. Mark occasionally <laughs> would send me photos of what he was eating. And I was just, I, was, I felt like I needed to up my game. <laughs> I just remember going... To the GP, I don't. I don't see a GP. I see the a lovely, lovely physician's associate at my local surgery, and he's been with me when I was since I was very, very unwell. So he's really seen the arc of my recovery, and I never forget. I think it was about six, seven months after I'd been seeing Phoebe, and he knew I'd been seeing Phoebe, and absolutely sanctioned it and everything. He was very happy for that to happen, and he saw my blood results and i think i'd gone down from about 36 37 on my habc one i can never say it properly down to like 31 and he just went oh my god how have you done this I'm gonna write a book. <laughs> you know it doesn't happen very often for them you know they spend most of their day as you know prescribing so so did, did you go off the medication? Had you gone off metformin long since, long before that? Or was that, yeah, yeah. that enable you to come off it? What had, no, what would... and, uh, I think I can't remember because it was such a long time ago now, but it was a long time okay. ago since I took. Um, but I do remember, and this is a very long time ago, around the time, must have been seven, well, I've been in recovery seven years in October, so around my before I wasn't even in recovery but very close to coming into recovery and he said to me the physician's associate he said Mark you'll be dead in a year if you carry on the way you're going and you will die of a stroke you've got to have a serious think wow I mean that that it is as simple as that you know and and what I find difficult and it's just me. I'm not saying it's not about being right or wrong. It's just my experience. When people, particularly about health, talk crap, I can't, I can't deal with it because the essence of being well for me is absolutely simple. Do you want it? Do you want to be well? Do you want to put your energy and your intelligence some people can't for all sorts of reasons. I'm not saying it's, it's about other people. It was mainly my experience. I wanted to be the best version of myself that I could be. But I, to, to make that decision, I had to be the opposite end. To be told by a physician, you're going to be dead. Yeah. There was no necessity for it. Right. Come on, man. Pull yourself together. But then would you agree that also I think the, the great thing about you, Mark, is that you saw that as an opportunity and oh, yeah. you wanted to grab hold of that, whereas a lot of other people and people who, I mean, it's the majority of people, will go and see their physician. They'll get given that terrible news and they'll think that their only option is to take lots of pills for the rest of their life and lives and they won't think about the fuel that they're putting in their body or the fact that they need to exercise. They don't really understand the value but of this is taking really, control. But this is a really very general point which i'm sure you, you, you it may concur with me is the pro you know i think i had a conversation very early on because once you as you both know once you start really looking after yourself and thinking about food and what you're putting into your body i started to see around me so people going into mcdonald's or chicken cottage you know and i think i said to phoebe at one point i sent her an email saying oh my god these poor people eating mcdonald's yeah. And what you realize is, is that some people, bless them, just don't have the knowledge or the education or the facility to gather that knowledge to help themselves. 
And that's really sad. And as I read in this morning in the newspaper, uh, Deb, you know, uh, about in America, about the, you know, the, 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 you know, those, those ghettos, those poor areas, you can't even find a grocery store in some of these areas. I know. You know, that's so sad yeah. because people don't have a chance. You can find a McDonald's, but you're sure you're not going to find a nice fruit and veg stall there. Exactly, exactly. And, yeah. and I think that's very, I think it's extremely sad. I mean, I mean, this is a political point here, isn't it? I mean, really, but it's very sad and it's not fair. You know, it's, yeah. it's you know, and I know that some people will absolutely want to, continue to pedal just eat junk food you know but it's but then also you remember when we first started and you had those super intense sweet cravings and we were oh. talking about why you were getting them and how they almost they're they're, they're not like a craving they're a compulsion when your body mm. isn't working in the way that you want it to or the way that it should do the battle mm. that so many people have is that they really can't get that energy from their food so their body is just going give me sweets and mm. after a while when you ditch you have it coming from all sides how on mm. earth would you resist so you do yeah, eat yeah. The biscuits or you do eat a, a thing of haribo for breakfast because not only does your body make you feel like you have to have it but anything else doesn't taste right yeah. So how was that for you did you you know the the energy levels you know did she give you a major change in your eating plan because you you've already said yourself confessed I wanted to eat biscuits I wanted to do this and that I was having porridge and bananas but did Phoebe send you a plan and go all right here we go draw yeah. a line here we go this is what you're going to do and how was that for you when you received that plan from her I'm going to jump in here and say that I did it quite strictly with Mark just because we addressed the fact that that's his personality with some right. people I'm a little bit more kind of encouraging but when we had a conversation Mark was very much sort of on the side of we need a structure it needs <laughs> to sort of be black and white tell me what to do and I'll do it so I'm not I'm not horribly mean <laughs> no 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 um you know I that's true I mean you know we're all different uh, I found structure very helpful um it was interesting because I was on tour actually I was touring a play around the country and um I remember the very first week that I had it. I think I saw Phoebe on the Monday. And then I went, I left Phoebe's office and got on a train to Birmingham. And that rest of the week I was in Birmingham. And I had the plan on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. And I was really worried about how I was going to implement it. But actually, it was really simple. The first thing that changes, of course, is when you go shopping. You just walk into a shop and you just start looking at things in a different way. You know, I need green vegetables. I need whatever it was that I was getting, you know. Um, was that okay uh, for you? Did you did you feel like, uh, you know, because there's some people who go green vegetables and some people are going to dive in. So, you know, that was okay with you. You didn't feel any overwhelm. Yeah, I suppose I was lucky, you know. I'd always been, you know, I said to you that I'd always been fit and well i had always had a basic understanding of what good nutrition was um i'd been a vegetarian for some years and uh, not anymore but um you know so i had an understanding so it wasn't a big deal for me it was just a question of you know buy fresh produce and chicken and eggs and whatever you need nut butter on um and um not biscuits <laughs> well, also, that was the first thing that was like, oh my God, I, you know, I'm buying different things. And actually, it's just as, it's just the same price, if not cheaper. Yeah. But also that first week, I think that we had a little discussion. I said, like, don't panic. If you are in a situation where you aren't in your own environment and we can get you just a couple of different veg. And I think we, we compromised on the biscuits and said, if you need that sort of feeling or that combination mm. then we did sort of oat cakes with a bit of nut butter and banana oh, yeah. so I tell you, my, my savior <laughs> oat cakes yeah no, I, I don't eat bread i haven't eaten bread for since i saw phoebe i mean i've had the odd bit of toast if i've had to but what i eat is is um oat cakes so oat cakes were a revelation and of course the smoothie yeah in the morning yeah. the spinach smoothie 
And, uh, you know, I even took my Nutribullet with me in my case on tour. <laughs> there was one moment in Nottingham, I just thought, what am I doing? What am I doing in this pokey, horrible travel lodge hotel and my Nutribullet and like my spinach and beetroot? <laughs> You're feeling all the benefits from it. I'm going to say, were you feeling the benefits of, of, of having the Nutribullet with you? Did you find that that? Yeah, I did because one, I was keeping to, I was keeping to the discipline of it. I was determined to, I was determined to see it through and see how it went. I did feel better. I'm not somebody that particularly enjoys eating in the evening because I perform in the evening usually, so I don't usually, so, you know, my breakfast was very easy to do, even when on tour, because, you know, I could have my smoothie, and then I'd go downstairs and have scrambled egg and a salad or whatever was going. Um, I'd try and find a soup at lunchtime, and then, you know, in the evening, I, 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 I'd, sometimes I'd make myself, this is when I was on tour and it was struggling, but I, I managed. I got through it. It was, and and also, you know, like g going, you know, in the evening, I'd have my carbohydrate with my meals. So I, you know, I might go into a restaurant and have um, a combination of things that were on the plan. You know, but once I knew what it was that I was supposed to be eating that was good for me, it was easier than not knowing. Right. Wandering around. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, I knew this is going to be good for me. You got to try and find some sweet potato or some potato or whatever it was um um and then of course when I got home it was much easier so. and I think just to explain kind of in terms of the the structure that we found for Mark that really worked was when we were looking at the way that his blood sugar and his energy and everything was going over the course of the day we recognized that for him actually this idea of having his carbohydrates in the evening was much more supportive so naturally his insulin was sort of more responsive first thing in the morning and that's when he was kind of storing stuff and that's when he gets sort of quite a significant energy slump in the afternoon so because he liked having a lighter evening meal we gave him quite a robust breakfast but it was very much concentrating on kind of non-starchy fibrous veg and really quite a significant amount of protein a medium-ish light lunch and if he was as it's kind of progressed when we've come into more maintenance we do give you more kind of carbohydrate -y things or things like grains or quinoa at lunch because when you were exercising in the morning we found that you needed a bit of a, a refuel afterwards and then giving you your kind of your whole grain carbs in the evening or late-ish afternoon to set you up for an evening performance that would then mean that if you did need something afterwards it was quite light and you would go to bed on an empty stomach and you're yes we very much worked on the idea of portion sizing and plate That's control. The Bible. That's the yes. portion size as well. Yeah. So, you know, uh, half, half a plate, half the plate greens, two thirds uh, protein, and a third carbs. So, thinking, so a third is maybe two to three spoons of brown rice. Mm -hmm. Maybe four, well, I don't know. But Depending on what you've been doing. And then, obviously, remember, yeah, adding your fats was, as well. That, that was the point. After, uh, um, exercise you know if i exercised at 12 30 i'd have carbs with my lunch because i needed it yeah i also think that the the big thing that changed for you is between so we saw each other first in january by the april so we checked in again we up we had a session in between but in the um in the april you'd already seen i think you'd lost about eight inches off your waist Gosh. And you'd lost uh, 13, almost 13 kilograms. Wow. Yeah. So that was down to your, obviously, I guided, but this was all your effort. And I think the fact that the change was so rapid, and that was when you'd gone from sort of 36 HbA1c down to 31. So the fact that you saw such significant change over a relatively short period with what you felt was some effort, but not huge amounts... That's the key. On the process. That's the key. You know, I wasn't running a marathon every day. It was because of my nutrition. I hadn't really upped my exercise from the day that I met Phoebe. I might have done something different, like, you know, rather than go to the gym one day, go for a swim. But my exercise hadn't really increased. 
what had changed radically was what I was putting into my body and when and how I was putting it into my body. And I really enjoyed, you know, I like, I like puzzles. I like working things out. I like doing shit. So it was kind of interesting. And also it was like, it's self-care. Yeah. But can I ask you, so you, you, you're a bipolar, you're a recovering addict. Are you finding that, how are your moods from this? Are you, do you find that what Phoebe has done has helped with your moods at all? Has that stabilized your moods? Has it, has it had any effect on your cravings? Of course. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, a vast improvement on moods. But, you know, the thing is, and this is being realistic, is that it's like riding a bike. Sometimes you're going to fall off. Yeah. Um, it, if I sat, sat here and said to you that from, uh, you know, I, I, I suppose it's nearly 18 months we've been seeing each other, Phoebe, is it? 18 months? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know. It's it, it's been gone perfectly. That that I think that it's an impossible. It's like you know I'm in recovery. Sometimes I have really shit days, like we all do. Yeah. You know, it's hard. But what I've learned is is that I've got the tools to get back on the bike again. So that's what's important. I mean, that's the because exactly you're exactly right. We all have those days. So how yeah. do you? have you know what sort of support have you got in place um have you put in place with phoebe so when you hit those glitches and you think all right i, I know the wheels are getting wobbly are you that, are you that aware yeah. that you know when the wheels are getting sort of wobbly that you can say right i gotta go and and get a you know a boot up the butt um to be honest with you deb i think phoebe would concur i haven't really had any of those good i've had i've checked in I've shared my blood. So I've shared, I think the most recent thing was my blood sugars have gone up slightly. And uh, I was a bit concerned about that. But then you look at why that was. You know, I had taken on a bit more sugar. It's been a bit difficult with the lockdown. But I knew, you know, it, it's, it's, it, 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 it's about keeping on track. And knowing when you fall off it and calling for help or support when you need it. But any real major blips, I'm at it. Because I think what it came for me was, it's just a, you, you just change, it's like a way of life. You know, I don't drink and take drugs anymore. It's not a big deal to me. I don't think about it. It's just the way I live my life. But when I think about the guy that did, bizarre. So changing your eating and, um, is a is a is a lifestyle change oh i'm going to incorporate exercise into my life now like when i went to meet uh you know daniel the personal trainer you know i hadn't exercised for a long time i just incorporated it into my life and i still see him today it's just part of my life but if there is a problem i know phoebe's there which is always lovely and the thing is that the communication is always open but I think that the nice thing that we did as well as obviously dealing with the nutrition is in terms of giving you those supportive mechanisms you know which parts of your routine you need to keep in to keep you balanced so things mm -hmm. like your evenings or your mornings when you do your exercise keeping that consistency mm. you know those parts of your life very much sort of feed in to you feeling balanced and you feeling well so absolutely looking after yourself in terms of what you're putting in and like food wise is incredibly important and we've spoken about things like your energy or your mood stability when you find that that coffee is just sneaking back in and going up a little bit more again and you sort of say oh I've been feeling like I've been having a few more sweet cravings and all this kind of stuff and I say well what else has been going on and then yeah. we identify the fact that the coffee's shot up because you're a little bit more stressed and we kind of go actually well we remember that, you know, you do better on one or maybe you would have something else or you'd put something mm. different into your smoothie. And it's just it's just kind of checking in. Like we say, it's not that there's been any huge upheaval or that you yeah. found that you've had a really big blip. It's more just that sometimes we find old habits slipping back in yeah. and we'll do it. And we yeah, just yeah. need a reminder that actually 
you know what, it'd be better to go and jump in the pool for 15, 20 minutes, even if you don't really feel like it, because it gives you that meditative space, or mm. you've actually not been doing your kind of your wind down bit in the evening after a stressful day. And then you find that feeds into how you feel the next morning. So it's just about sort of, yeah, checking in there. Yeah, and also being, and, and, and being being kind to yourself, you know, it's I, you know, I, I find, you know, I have to work at that. Maybe we all do to a certain degree, but um, you know, I'm not perfect, and I get it wrong a lot. But it's about knowing how to get back on the bike again. And I think this whole lockdown period for everybody has been a challenge. And uh, you know, I'm no different. It's, mm. it's, it's tricky. Mm. Have you needed more support with the lockdown or do you live on your own or yeah. So have you needed more support during the lockdown? Um, no, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Mark does enjoy his. Cause his I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> I'm very happy with my own company, but sometimes, sometimes the walls feel like they're closing in, but actually essentially, 90% of the time, I love being on my own. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing with actors. My partner is an actor. He does voice. Oh, right. So he really is happy with his own company. Yeah, so yeah, There's yeah. some sort of theme. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not my own biggest fan. You know. <laughs> so so what, what aren't we talking about that we should talk about? I mean, Phoebe, what are some things that you think would be valuable for others to hear through the conversation we've had, or are we a are we striking everything that that um, you think might help others? I mean, what what do you think is missing from what we've discussed? Oh, I don't really know. I think, I mean, obviously, to me, there were other bits that I don't. I don't even think they occur to you anymore, Mark, because they seem sort of so. Wasn't when we first met, there were other bits that you were kind of thinking about. You were having sort of issues with your skin and like just just little bits that to you were they they're quite superficial but they faded away so quickly that yeah. they don't even occur. And they were just sort of like those superficial consequences. But I think that the best thing for me about sort of working with people like yourself um, is the fact that now you do have those tools and those resources you don't think about when you put a meal together now, no. all the bits and pieces that need to go into no. it and things like your fat portion and when you do add different things in. And it's, it's, it's just that. It's that reward that over this period you can now do it by yourself. You don't you don't really need me in that sense. So we have obviously open communication and we do check in and if something changes, then we can always chat. But it's it's over the process you you gain an education into how you look after, you can look after yourself long term. And And I think there was something that happened after about three or four months where you said something like, Well, you know, if you want to have porridge in the morning one morning, have it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I will. So I do sometimes. You know, it's it's not. There's no um, there's no denial in it. Yeah. You know, no. you can negotiate everything. Exactly. You know, and um, it's fine. Well, that's it. It's so I always look at it that when we first start out, if we've got a significant issue like we were dealing with with you, we do a therapeutic diet. So it's a little bit more strict. And I would say actually no for this this period of time whilst we're trying to affect some quite significant change we won't give you porridge in the morning and that's for quite a specific reason but then mm. once we've got you to the state that it's maintenance we can absolutely be flexible and because you've then got that understanding you wouldn't have porridge in the same way that you would have originally had porridge which would just be sort of oats and banana you're mm. immediately thinking right well maybe I'll put something like a bit of yogurt or I'll have nuts and seeds and I'll balance out the actual mm. proportions of the food groups within that porridge without having to ask me because I know that it needs to be in a different combination and that's because you understand how you're feeling yourself properly and that if you just had porridge oats with banana you'd be hungry again within an hour and you've got some great recipes as well salmon fish cake oh seed fish crackers cake. yes salmon seed, seed crackers Phoebe and her recipes Phoebe needs to write a book her blog is a book really all the recipes I love it and you, I'll, put it, I'll put it into a hardback. Yeah, you, you've been absolutely wild with your recipes lately. I love it. I love it. That's the silver lining of lockdown is Phoebe's recipes popping into my email. I just see them. I go, oh boy, here we go. More. 
Well, it's because I my desk think... is only three meters from my kitchen, so I'm always close to the oven. I do think, though, it's interesting talking to both of you. I'm reminded, as I said at the beginning of our conversation today, the value of the individual, me, in this instance. You know, I really wanted it. I wanted it. I wanted to um, work. I wanted to be well. And I think when you're willing, um, it just makes life a lot a lot easier. You know, I, 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 I you know, I, I, I tutor this guy. I tutor quite a few people actually. And this one boy comes to me and he's just got into drama school and I'm so pleased for him. But he's a pleasure to work with because he wants it. He just wants it. He's so enthusiastic. He's so determined to do the best he can. And I would imagine, I mean, I don't, I don't know, and I don't want you to feel that you need to share this, but I would imagine that there are some people that come to you with the best will in the world. They want the best, but they can't get their head around. It's them that have got to do it. Yeah. Well, that's it. Also, I think that, so it's very much a partnership. The way that I would describe sort of the, the format of working with somebody like a functional medical or a nutritional therapist, as opposed to working with a doctor, is that it's not a patient doctor relationship it's sort of it's this client practitioner collaboration so I can offer the tools and the educational side and you obviously offer your efforts and your buy-in so the fact that you were willing and you wanted it just meant that that's how we got the sort of the great results so swiftly because a lot of the time it'll take a lot more from me to say right well this is what we're working on and this is how we're going to do it but because somebody is a little bit more reticent or maybe they've had a bad experience in the past or they don't quite get it or they've got lots of other things going on, the change still happens, but it's more slow. Or it could be that they are working on something that will take quite a long time to change. And because people are used to seeing really quite quick results from things like painkillers or medications and they assume that it's an overnight fix, they don't equate their level of effort with the benefit they're going to get at the end because they can't see it yet. No. I do, want, I do want to just add, though, you asked me a very good question, Deb, about your mood. You know, I have an illness which is based in, you know, in mood disorder. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe, yes, that nutrition it, it, and exercise and adequate rest and understanding stresses, that food is a massive part of it, you know. Um, I, I, you know, I... I, I I need to look after myself in that way, and I I just felt better once I felt in control of what I was eating. Mm. I had knowledge, you know, whereas before it was all a bit arbitrary. Yeah, yeah. So. That's really good. Well, Phoebe, I mean, Phoebe had one advantage in that you were already seeing Daniel. And getting exercise because I know that you know that's we're very she and I are very similar mindset as are many other fellow practitioners that it's food is a portion it's a cornerstone of your health and well-being and putting the lifestyle changes which you seem to have just jumped in full tilt with glee and just taken it by the throat and just gone for it which is great you know it really is great it makes it an easier relationship as I sit here, the fly on the wall listening to you. So I I have one question. Have you spoken to your, so your doctor ages ago said, if you keep on doing what you're doing, you're going to be dead in a year. Yeah. Have you had a similar conversation since then? What? Has he told me I'm going to be dead in a year? Yeah. Has he said that? No. no. Have you, has, no. He, has he sort of given you much more of a, I mean, that's a, that's a really sobering comment for anyone to hear that someone says, look, you keep going down this pathway, you're going to be dead in a year. So have Look, you had any other conversations with your practitioner about your current first, state? First, yeah, the first time, I remember the day very well when that happened. I was with the GP and he threw me out. He asked me to leave his surgery. He said, I can't do anything more for you because you don't care. He was right. I mean, 
and I left, and uh, and I that th I think that was the day that I I never forget. I I was living in a hostel down the road, and I went back to this hostel, and I found these old pair of shorts, and I went for a swim, and I hadn't had a swim for about four years, and I could just barely do eight lengths of Swiss cottage pool. You know it well, don't you, Phoebe? I do. <laughs> And I was knackered, and I thought, tomorrow I'll do 10. And then I built it up. Mm-hmm. And I did see that doctor again, years later. And he was very, um, like, well, so you should have pulled yourself together. That was it. <laughs> but the physician's associate was very different. He was like, look, you know, this is amazing for me to see. You know, I spend my day prescribing medication for people who won't make it. And then he said this really interesting thing, actually. I'll share this with you. And I don't know why he said this. But, like, it was like giving with one hand and taking with the other. And then he said, but, you know, Mark, it's probably going to get you in the end. I said, what? He said, well, the diabetes is going to get you. And you'll have to go on medication. It won't be, there won't be anything you can do. It will get you because of age. And I think, did I not share that with you, Phoebe? Did you I tell did. you did. You did. You mentioned that to me. But then also, I think, wasn't it then that you went back to them and we got those test results for you? It must have been just before Christmas or maybe a little oh, bit that, earlier. That, 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 yeah. And yeah. Uh, your retinal uh, damage had been completely resolved there was not even a scrap of it left and they were sort of left a bit stumped by that. And you kind of, we yeah, symbolically yeah. waved that little flag and then moved on from it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think there's a very, there's clearly a very, they're not used to people being well. Mm. No. And I, and I think it must be baffling to be kind to the, the profession it must be baffling when somebody is well that how they didn't get well without pills even though logically yeah this is a person that went to nutritionist and got healthy and did exercise and, and trying to get his life on. it's still weird to them mm-hmm. mm. and um and also as well you know doctors i mean gps i've met a lot like I've met a lot of psychiatrists. I mean, they're only human. They're not magicians. Yeah. You know, and they, you know, there's a lot. I wrote a play and there's a line in it where the, the doctor says, I say to a doctor, I say, you don't like me, do you, doctor? And he says, no, not really. But then again, I'm just a doctor. I don't have to like my patients. I just treat them. But and that's, that's true. Yeah. I think also to give them sort of huge amounts of credit where it's due, they don't, the stuff that I and you probably too, Deb, and you now too, Mark, would take for granted in terms of that, say, that understanding of what your HbA1c shows, they don't get, they, they know physiologically what it is. They know what the result is on the paper. Yep. But they don't know about assessing that through nutrition. No. And even, say, like an acute care dietitian, they'll say, right, well, you need to go on a low glycemic index diet. And if you've got sweet cravings, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to baffle through them. And if you were mm. having a Mars bar, then have some dried fruit, and that's just that's just where you've got to go, and you've got to hope that over over time your body works out how to to do the things you wanted to do properly. But yeah, in in you know in asking somebody to do that, no wonder they end up on medication because, like we were saying, that compulsion for sweets is so strong that it's really hard. But but they don't have time, and they obviously don't have brain space to deal with chronic conditions that something like diabetes would be whilst also dealing with the myriad other acute care issues that will wander through their door because gps being that primary sort of Mm. signpost for people they can see like a a two-day-old baby up to an 100 year old and they're going to see all of those health conditions they could potentially have and they're going to have to deal with them all um So spending longer than five minutes sort of saying to somebody, oh, you're having a bit of a sweet craving and your blood sugars are high. I'm really sorry, metformin's the answer. 
they don't have the opportunity to do any more than that. So yeah. wouldn't it be nice if they just refer people on to you, Phoebe? That would be great. And to other oh, nutritional yeah. therapists, we'd love it. So Well, fingers crossed. And maybe potentially on the other side of lockdown, I'm not going to throw my hands up and say that it will happen. But because coronavirus has highlighted the fact that things like obesity and diabetes and everything and cardiovascular disease do make you more susceptible and at a higher risk of more complications. Yeah. Maybe this will be the turning point that people see nutrition and looking after themselves as the thing that looks after them a bit better. We We can only hope. We live in hope. We live in hope. That is for sure. So it's been an absolute delight. And I, I, I really, really appreciate your sharing your story and having the courage to share your story. And it may not seem like anything to you, but it's so helpful for everyone to contextualize why oh, yeah. you know why it's important to to take care of themselves or how and how you can get the support to really take care of yourself in the right avenues and to have faith I suppose, I suppose one of the things that i've learned along the way from recovery and really from recovery from alcohol and drugs is that it's not about alcohol and drugs you know I spend a lot of my time with people, and I include myself in this. Really, I'm no different. You know that what's really been damaged that Neil's he needs healing was my self-esteem, was me. You know, the, you know our nutrition and our exercise and our health and our relationships. You know, the 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 kernel that I've learned is me, is, is that I've got to keep arms around myself and owning, like all of us, to a certain or more or lesser degree, you know, that, that, that was really affected for lots of reasons. And I know that we're all the same, you know, how, we deal, how I deal with the, the pain, either in my, you know, in my head, in my heart, and when I get in touch with that and own that, it seems to open the door to allow myself to put arms around myself and understand how important it is to take care. When I feel shit about myself, those are the warning signs that everything starts to fall apart. But it doesn't fall apart in the way that it used to, but it's like Phoebe talked about a compulsion. It's like a muscle, it's like a reflex. I can feel, and I have to come back, that it's not just about the food. It's not about swimming 20 length or whatever it is. It's about what's going on in here and in here. That when I get hold of that, of which everything else is a part. So we've got to love ourselves. We do. We do. We do. I, I really said. We, you know, we've got to love us. We're worth it. If it's all we've got. Mm. And I think that's to kind of like draw that into as as part of our sort of relationship that we have, kind of seeing that evolution for you and being a very tiny grain in kind of encouraging that process is such a privilege. So again, for the practitioners who are listening, I think that I mean, if if say somebody who was relatively new to the to the field were to see your history they might feel incredibly overwhelmed but actually what you're doing is you're buying into somebody's personal journey and you're going to guide them along the way and give them sort of nuggets but the best thing that you can kind of ever really do from my perspective is actually just listen and see where that person needs support offer them a very small amount and it's actually their personal growth and their personal journey because I'm not going to drag you along the way you're going to do that and it's it's sort of just opening up those those doors, that bit of interest, that sort of that idea that you are worth that sort of level of care and attention, um, and that's part of the whole the whole whole body health picture. And the, and the truth of a situation, the mm. truth of what's really going on, you can't make someone accept it. You can't. But again, and sometimes I find it really really difficult, but I strive to do it is always be honest with people. You present something to someone, it's up to them to take it or not. Mm. Good. Anyway, 
That's wonderful. That. That's absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you, Phoebe, for talking to Mark, asking him to come on. It's really wonderful having you both here. Uh, and I wish you the best of health, Mark, on your journey. And I'm so pleased that you are, and Phoebe are able to work together. It's really good. It's exciting. Thank we you. Have, we have Dan thank, to thank for that. So we'll thank him. And uh, yeah, thanks for having us, Dan. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, folks, that's all for today. I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in to Mark share his story, how he and Phoebe have worked together as a team. So Mark is feeling well and beating the odds, which is really exciting. So then there are a couple of things I'd like to ask you to do. As always, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to my podcasts. I'd like to ask you to leave me a review if you haven't done so already. And thank you to those of you that have done. And also, I'd like to ask you to spread the word. Share this podcast with other people that you feel will be inspired because don't forget that's the purpose of the podcasts. We're here to support, collaborate, communicate, educate, and inspire one another. And the only way I'll know this is if you let me know. And I'd also like to remind you to put a date in your diary. Don't forget on Saturday, 19th September in Bristol at Engineer's House, Anita Beardsley of Love Nutrition and I are organizing an event, the Multi- faceted effect of gut health. We are going to go from science to clinical practice. The event aims to bring together a range of healthcare professionals to share innovative ways to support clients with a particular focus on gut health and its many manifestations. We are delighted to have confirmed Dr. Alan Desmond, Dr. Elizabeth Phillips, author Tanya Borowski, and Claire Sinton as speakers on the day. We are also pleased to say that we have Pucka, Nutrigold and Genova Diagnostics as gold sponsors and we mustn't forget one of our main supporters is the Alliance for Natural Health. You can find details for all these organizations on the show notes. We'll also provide a link to Phoebe's website, to Mark's website and to Daniel the trainer who's done such great work with Mark as well. I'd like to thank you again for joining me and until next time here's wishing you and yours the very best of health. Bye for now. Bye.